morning. How's everybody doing this morning? I hope you're doing well. Glad to see you here. If you're new to us, my name is David Hurtado. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, I'll be hanging out afterwards, and please stop by, say hello. Even if you're just here on vacation for Thanksgiving or something like that, give me a handshake. Love to be that. Love to welcome you myself. And so hope you're, hope you're feeling welcomed at our church this morning. Last week, we took a kind of a, a week off of our series in the book of Mark, uh, which we've been in since like 2015. And... Um, and we did a, like a one-part series in, uh, you know, as it relates to evil, with all the things going on, mass fires, massive, mass shootings, massive fires. Um, where is God in the midst of all the calamity? Where is God in the midst of all the evil? Uh, we theologically call that the problem of evil. How do we answer the question of where is God in the midst of so much evil? Uh, what does our worldview say about that? If you missed that last week, I challenge you to go online and go watch it. I think it would be very helpful to you theologically understanding where is God in the midst of evil. And so uh, we took that week off, and now we're going to take uh, what was going to be uh, said last week in the book of Mark and what was going to be said this week in the book of Mark, put them together into one message. Happened to work out quite well because the big ideas kind of work together. And so uh, we've got a lot to cover today. We are actually going to be heading into Mark chapter 12 today. Which means we've covered chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and now we're in 12. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, uh, you can ask Michelle. Michelle was on the piano. She's uh, kind of our, uh, our, our assistant in the front of the office. And uh, every time I read a book, I'll come in with my bookmark, and I'll show her. I go, look, look how far I've been, and I'm in the middle. And then bookmark, as the bookmark moves, I get closer to the end, and I get proud of myself. And that's how I feel about the book of Mark right now. So we're almost to the end of it, and we're moving quite along quite well, and it makes me happy. Uh, and so we're going to jump into that. And before we get into that, I just want to say this. I don't know if you have a similar story to mine. Maybe some of you do, and you just don't want to admit it. But I was the kid for my mom who kind of drove her to her wit's end with her as far as it relates to patience. Like I pushed her to the brink uh, of the end of where patience takes you with a child. Um, I was the chubby, Hispan cute, cute, chubby Hispanic child who would go to a family party, Thanksgiving, Christmas, with Hispanics, could be anything, Primo's birthday, whatever it is, and I would go to the party, and because I was cute with these little chubby cheeks, I'd go to people, and I'd say, and I'm sure I've told you this before, but I'd say to people, wow, that's a beautiful bracelet, can I see it? And they would take the bracelet off because they're dumb. And they would take it off and give it to the cute little Hispanic child with the chubby cheeks. And he would go to the restroom and flush it down the toilet. And then after that was done, swirly, swirly, swirly gone. Oh, need something else. What a beautiful ring. Can I see your ring? And to take it, flush it, that's gone. Wow, you have a beautiful necklace on. Can I take it, flush, swirly, 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 gone. And I just loved seeing things swirl in the toilet. And so it wasn't until my mother went to all of her friends and said, listen, don't give the cute, chubby, Hispanic thing anything that's of value. The kid will flush it down the toilet, that that stopped. And that was me. My mother used to say things like, I go and read Dennis the Menace, with her little accent, I go and read Dennis the Menace in the morning just to see if D Dennis did something worse than David. <laughs> So she would say, she would say that kind of thing. I was a kid, we would go to the store, go to the grocery store. Once the you know, doors open, go to the store, I'd run away. I'd just run. I'd go to the toy aisle, I'd go down this aisle. I just figured there's so much in the store to look at, and I need to be able to see all of it. So I'm bringing, my mom's like, where is my son? I'm running all over the place. And then she would say, David, one of these days you're going to run away from me, and I'm going to leave you here just to show you as your punishment. 
And then about 20 minutes in, I wouldn't be able to find my mom. And I'd go around, oh my gosh, we're, oh my gosh, maybe this is the day where she left me here just to punish me. And so I'm looking, I can't find her. I'm crying. I go to the, I go to the, the, uh, the manager. I go, I can't find my mom. I can't find my mom. You know, I'm like, you know, three, four, five years old, whatever it is, right? Can't find my mom. I'm crying. What's your name? What's your name, son, so we can get on the PA? And I go, my name is, I, I, no, they get, on the, they get on the microphone. They go, can the, can the parents of Steve please come? Steve. And I go, no, David, David. I was like, Spanish for David, David. And they would say, Steve. And my mom would poke her head out of the aisle in embarrassment. And I'd run to her. And she'd see, that's what happened one day is I'm going to leave you here. I would try her. And there's stories upon stories upon stories like this. God's getting me back now with my kids. And uh, I would try her patience. But, you know, one day she got smart. She got really smart. She said, with this kid, I'm going to have to use mental games to get through to him. And so she would take me to the grocery store, and she'd hold me by the hand. We'd go, first thing we go is go to the, to the to, this is a true story, by the way. All this is true. There's no lies. I'm a pastor. <laughs> take me to the meat market, the meat counter at the, at the grocery store. Meat counter, you know, there's, there's beef, and there's, you know, there's sausages, all this, and then there's pork chops. And she goes, look, David, look at all the meats that they have at the meat market. I go, I like meat. So I'm looking, you know, there's chicken, all this stuff. She goes, oh, look, look, David, there's pork chops. Big, fat pork chops. I go, oh, yeah. She goes, you know how they get those pork chops, right? I go, no. She goes, they kidnap little kids who run away from their mothers in the store, and they chop them into pork chops. And then she, and then she, then she would say to me, and you're a little chubby little Hispanic. You'd make good pork chops. <laughs> and I never ran away from her again. <laughs> That's my pork chop story. But oh, clear as day, you can try my patience so long, oh, so far, and then pork chops are coming. Today we're going to look at, this morning we're going to look at what happens when we try God's patience. What happens when we try God's patience? How does he respond and how does that affect us? What does he say and what does he do? What posture does he take towards us when we're trying his patience? And what does that mean for us? We're going to be looking at that in the book of Mark chapter 11. If you have a Bible, I challenge you to turn there right now with me. Mark chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put the verses on the screen. But I really, really encourage you, go get a Bible. Go to the local Christian bookstore. Get a Bible. Write in it. Get one of those things that has extra, extra space where you can write notes in it. Absolutely. When we take the word of God and we place ourselves underneath it, that's when we grow spiritually. And that's what we're all about around here. So open your Bible. Go to uh, um, uh, Mark chapter 11. We'll also be diving into 12 today as well. And the question we're going to be asking is, what happens when we begin to try God's patience? Not unlike me with my mom. What happens when we, when, when we tr begin to try God's patience? And the first thing we're going to see is he stops playing our games. My mom stopped playing my game. God will stop playing our games as well. I'm in authority. I'm in charge. I don't have to play by our games. And we're going to see that in 11, uh, uh, Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 27. Uh, watch along as I read here. It says this. They arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked. And who gave you this authority? And Jesus replied, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven 
or was it for men? Tell me. And they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask us, then why didn't we believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people, for everyone held that John was really a prophet. So verse 33, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. What happens when we begin to try God's patience? Number one, he stops playing our games. You got to remember where we are in the book of Mark. It's been a couple weeks now because it's been a couple weeks ago that we taught on this. But in the book of Mark, Jesus is now going back to Jerusalem for the last time. That's the important part. Uh, Mark takes about five or six chapters to, to tell the story of the, the last week of Jesus' life. So 10 chapters on three years, five chapters on the, re, on, the, on the last week of his life. All right. So he's heading towards Jerusalem for the last week of his life. You remember when he came in, uh, he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. We know that from John chapter 11. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, if he can raise the dead, he could be the Messiah. He could be the anointed one. They take palm branches, they put them down, they start chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In essence saying, we found our Messiah. And he's coming into the city of Jerusalem with that chanting crowd before him. That's his procession as he goes in. We call it the triumphal entry. And it is Passover time. It's a time where we reflect back on how God has delivered us before. And everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, God's delivered us before. Here's a man who comes with the power of God. He could deliver us again. Of course, they're hoping for a different type of delivery. They want to be delivered from the yoke of the Romans. They don't want to be under their tutelage anymore. They don't want to be enslaved to them, so to speak, anymore. They want to have their own land, their own people. And he can do this. And they come pronouncing this whole thing. And then he goes into the temple. He looks around, goes home, sleeps the night at Bethany, comes back the next day. And it, what did he do in the temple? You guys remember? Turned over everything. They're selling, they're selling birds here. They're selling animals here all for sacrifice. They're upcharging. They're making money off people worshiping God. They, they, they come. You can't have a Roman money isn't accepted in the temple. Jew, uh, uh, or Greek money isn't accepted in the temple. So you have to come and get Jewish money. And we'll change the money for you. But we're going to charge you 10 and 20% upcharge to do that. And he turns over all these tables and all this money making is going on in, in, in the church or in the, in the temple. He throws them all out. 